Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 3 in the King James Version reads, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a coat with her. Loose them. And bring them unto me, and if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Lord, bring your power from on high. Don't allow me to try to duplicate what happened at 8 a.m. Allow me to bring a word that's contoured for these individuals who are hearing the word from the sound of my voice right now. <laughs> I'm believing for deliverance. I believe somebody will be set free. I believe in pride shall be annihilated. Low self-esteem shall be put to rest. And God, you shall touch each and every one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I want to speak to you from the subject, Jesus has untied you. Jesus has untied you. And the reason why I put it in the past tense is because you're already set free. Amen? You're already free. You just got to call those things that be not as though they were. And you got to call those things the will of God that is already done in heaven. And that will be done in, on earth as it is already done in heaven. Amen? One of the greatest experiences a person will ever enjoy in life is being wanted by another person. But as precious as being wanted by another person, it does not compare to being chosen by God. God's choice was not a reaction to our overtures to him. He didn't choose us because of our actions, our lifestyle, or our pleading. He chose us prior to our life's beginning. He made a decision to be good to us without being seduced. He loves us unconditionally. None of our weaknesses, failures, or personality flaws have any effect on his decision. We have had no influence on his choice because we didn't exist yet. And we had no access to him. God predestined us or determined beforehand that we would be his children. God is not making up his plan as he goes. He, his plan is set, established, in place. He knows precisely what he needs at any given point to fulfill his plan. And the Lord has the full script for all time. He sees the end from the beginning and every scene in between. The destiny of the world is determined. The outcome of history is fixed. That's one of the reasons God doesn't get hysterical about things we get hysterical about. When we run to him and say, Lord, I've been hit hard. They, don't you care? Gas prices went way up and I ain't going to raise. Couldn't, couldn't you stop the fight? The Lord responds calmly by saying, the fight is fixed. I know you win in the end. The Lord has a master plan, a strategy for every scene in your life. He sees how everything will fit together to tell a complete story that will bring glory to him. What an awesome thought that we can be a part of a scheme that is so grand and marvelous. Hell itself cannot thwart the plan of God. 
And we are a part of God's plan. We are chosen before the beginning of time for the role he has for us to play. God's plan is fixed. Mm -mm. It can't be edited. It will not be changed. He cannot be forced into a detour or delay. God is constant, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I used to wonder if God is so constant, what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? Was that God's plan? <laughs> Satan created a dilemma, uh, and when Adam fell into sin, he took what God loved and seduced him into partaking of what God hated, sin. Satan's purpose was to get God to work against himself and to be in conflict with himself by simultaneously, come on somebody, uh, having a conflict of, of, of loving man and hating sin. Do you see the problem Satan created for God? He, 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 in order for God to kill what he hated, sin. Right? He would have to kill what he loved, man. That's a dilemma. And, and what, 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 but God already had a strategy. In fact, he had a strategy in place before Satan created the dilemma. The scripture says that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundation of the world. See, the devil don't know how powerful God is. See, God is interstellar. God sees the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. That's why he had already put Jesus in history before history even began. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? He already knew you was going to fall short. He already knew you can do what it is he wanted you to do. He already already knew you, you the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak he already knew see he devised the plan of redemption before man was even created God made provisions for his will to be accomplished in every moment of history that's why Satan has never been able to create a dilemma that God has not already out strategized him <laughs> There's nothing the devil can throw at us and no obstacle he can put in our way that will alter the purpose of God for our lives. No way God, no way Satan can outmaneuver God. See, see, we must get to the place where we recognize that God acts and he never reacts. He's never on the defensive. God is always on the offensive. He never lets the enemy throw the first punch. And that's what you need to know about me. See, I'm just like God. You ain't going to hit me first. Yeah, 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 missing the point. Now, if you keep talking and threatening me and we get into an argument, that's cool. We argue, but if you start standing up and walking towards me, I would say, I feel threatened. I hang around enough white people to know how to do that. I feel threatened. You're in my space, and I'm going to hit you first. I, I know I'm a preacher. You might get away with it on Sunday, but I got Reverend Walden and Terrell and the thing around me, so I, I can be holy on those days. But the same way God didn't let Satan hit him first. You got to understand, God never let Satan hit him first. He had already devised a plan for your salvation before you was in your mother's womb. He already knew you. He knew you was going to mess up. He knew you was going to fall short, but he knew your purpose. And what I love about God, he calls me what I'm supposed to be and not what I am. Oh, y'all don't hear me. See, see, God is sovereign. Huh. Ephesians 1.5 says he has predestined us unto adoption. We are his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. Before he chose us, he had a specific purpose in mind. He was adopting us. The Greek word used in this verse represents, uh, uh, verse represents children that are full-grown adults. Yeah, y'all don't hear me. I don't know about you, but I ain't adopting no grown person. 
Mm -mm. See, in our culture, adoption generally focuses on small children or babies. The thought is to avoid having personality conflicts and appear normal as possible by bringing an infant or a young child into the family. However, in this time in which Paul wrote, adoption was usually uh, uh, restricted for the people of wealth. And what they would do is they didn't have an heir if they didn't have a child, if they didn't have a male-born child. What they would do was find somebody of good character that, that, that could represent their name and let their legacy live on, and they would adopt them so their name would continue to live on after they died. See, older children and adults are not easily adopted because they are set in their ways, their personality, and their character. However, biblical adoption takes advantage of this fact to express the love of God. For God adopted us knowing who we were and how we were. Let, let, let me talk to some more people. Not just how we were. God knows how we are now. Oh, come on, somebody. See, see the, the thing about church people is the reason why some people don't want to go to church is because we so fake. We can spray on a sin of praise and put on a suit and put on some heels and a dress and look like we got it together. But they saw the street you was creeping on because they the next door neighbor. And when you go on and admit that your life is messed up like everybody else, you will be a better witness. Oh, yeah, I don't hear what I'm saying. We can, before we even had these masks, our lives were masked. How you doing? I'm blessing how to favor the Lord. <laughs> In your prayer closet, Lord, if you can just give me some money, I can't pay my bills. <laughs> the Lord will make a way, child. you which means he wanted you now some of us that made a baby in a Cadillac that's not a mistake but we weren't looking for it yeah y'all hear what I'm saying but when somebody adopts you they definitely wanted you they went through the paperwork they they went to the court system God loved you so much he went to court for you before the foundation of the world he had already sacrificed Jesus because the wages of sin is death and Jesus never was supposed to die so he allowed the devil to send him to the cross so he could go to court to adopt you because now that the law was broken by Satan he had no legal right to accuse you of the stuff you do oh y'all don't hear me because grace why I get so loud at 11 o'clock? Y'all crazy. Y'all the crazy crowd. Yeah. No longer will I take responsibility for how loud I am in here. They, they crazy. They, they need me to holler. 8 o'clock, get it. Uh. <laughs> 11 o'clock, they want you to scream out because they just came out the club. Oh, what? They can't hear me because the speakers were so loud. That's what it is. They used to loud stuff. <laughs> See, God doesn't choose you because you got it together. He, he chooses folk that are failing and incompetent and poorly trained. He doesn't let our flaws deter him choosing us. How many depressed pastors out there that try to act like their life ain't got no cracks in it? I wanted to make sure I speak it as good as I could. Your life not a crystal stair. Now, you ain't got to tell nobody what you do. Come on, somebody. But you need to go let them know you do something. Y'all don't hear me? You better learn how to be like Paul. There's a thorn in my side. 
You know, Paul would tell everybody else's business, but he didn't tell his own. He's, there's a thorn. What thorn is it? It's, it, it, it hurts. He asked him to take it away three times, but he told me my, that his grace was sufficient. Uh, it, 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 what, what you do, Paul? Don't, don't, don't worry about it. But, but I did something. <laughs> now, see, and don't, don't tell everybody what your business is because, so you know, he, he, he told you exactly what he, it, 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 the, the, the city of Ephesus problem was. He told you exactly what the city of Corinth. He, he told everybody the business, but shh, just let them know you got a problem. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 26, 1, 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Adoption blesses us because it assures us God wanted us regardless of our faults, our failings, and weaknesses. He predestined us, picked us out, and encircled us by himself and for himself to be his child. Even though you messed up, even though you have some problems, God has chosen you. Oh, I'm trying to get to the point. When couples have naturally born children, they can speculate what the child will be like, but they really uh, cannot predict the accuracy of their assumption about the unborn child. Adoption, on the other hand, is not such a mystery. In many cases, when a family adopts a child, they know what their child looks like. If the child is over, older, they will know their interest to some degree. They will know the good parts and the bad parts of their personality, and they still adopt them anyway. Adopt the children, know that they will adopt it because those parents wanted them. Yeah, y'all don't hear me. I hate when adopted people be feeling so bad. My mama didn't want me, but somebody did. Come on, somebody. And not saying your mama didn't want you. She probably just couldn't take care of you and understood that she had to send you somewhere else. It doesn't matter. You need to be proud when you adopted because somebody wanted you despite of yourself. Despite they knew that one day you'd be like, I want to find my real parents. I want to know because I want to know why they don't love me. Just how you do God sometimes. God done got you out of all this mess and the minute he gets you out of it. You go right back to your vomit. Even though he adopted you. Even though he filled out the paperwork and sent his own son to the cross for you, you still bite the hand that feeds you. And say, oh, it's grace. No, grace is not there to give you a license to sin. Bonhoeffer calls this cheap grace. <laughs> grace is there for you to understand that you love God and God loves you so much that he did so much for you. You want to try to please him. Now, James tells you, you won't be perfect, but you better try. Sorry. <clears throat> Some folks like, I ain't coming back to church no more. <laughs> Through the ages, God has arranged the details, his plan, in order to bring you to the point where you would accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and be a part of his family. Many people think they got saved because one morning they woke up and decided that they wanted to be saved. Certainly there comes a point where you have to choose what God has already chosen for you. But at the end of the day, you were saved by the pleasure of God. God wanted you. He drew you with the cause of his love. He drew you out of your sugar daddy's house. He drew you out of the crack house. He drew you out of your adulterous relationship. He drew you out of your own mess. That's why I don't understand why Christian folk is the heat on. 
Jesus, don't turn it on if it is. Don't, 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 don't worry about it. As long as it ain't on, I, I mean, I'm having hot flashes because the light's so hot. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. He drew you out of your mess. He drew you because he loved you. So I hate when church folk walk around here and act like they got it all together and look down. They know this because somebody not saved as if you saved yourself. And if God didn't draw you out of the mess you was in, you just learned how to hide your mess. Mm-hmm. With your fornicating self. Masking your life. It was a song called It's a Masquerade. Hallelujah. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm good. I can make it. I can make it. Don't even worry about it. Sometimes I say stuff, just ignore me if it's all together. See, he drew you. The problem that we run into is that despite all the love he gives us, we try to order our own steps. We think we can orchestrate our own lives. Out of all the trouble God went through, you think you're in charge. Even CeeLo know you ain't in control. But he say, I think you're crazy. Who do you think you are? You really think you're in control? He think you're crazy, and so do I. Psalms. 127 tells us, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. See, see, you're not a pawn in God's scheme of things, but you're not a general either. You're a carpenter, just like Jesus. You build what God takes you to build. You are the carpenter and God is the architect. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? See, a carpenter can act like they know everything and take the credit if they want to, but truly behind the scenes is an architect that told him how to build it. Y'all don't hear me? Unless you build a house, the Lord's house, you labor in vain. Oh, you can be the greatest saxophonist if you want to be, but if you call the priest, God ain't going to be telling you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You can be the best singer you want to be, and if God calls you to do something else, it doesn't matter because unless you labor for what God wants you to labor for, unless he's the master architect, it doesn't matter. God builds by design, and he and we are the carpenters get the work done. An architect lays out all the paperwork and the specs and put a blueprint, plan, a blueprint together. And, and when a, and an architect goes out and sees the land, he knows where he's going to put the fountain. He knows or she knows where they're going to put the building, how many rooms it has, knows exactly what's going on. And before even one pebble is moved, before the ground is level, the plans are already in place. The architect don't show up because they got to the bathroom and say, you know what? No, I believe we need to go here. No, the architect writes the master plan out before the foundation is laid. Mm. God's plan has been in place for all time and before time. God's blueprints are exact, precise, and complete. They give all the details necessary for the whole project to finish. His master blueprint includes a specific blueprint for each individual. See, God is like a special education teacher, not calling you special ed, but see, special ed teachers like myself, we learn how to, pre how to, how to teach each individual. Sometimes regular teachers, I love y'all, but y'all learn how to teach to the bell curve. You teach a bulk of people and you miss this end of the spectrum and this end of the spectrum. But uh, a special education teacher has an individualized education plan. Each individual, as, as know, you know the goals and, and the levels of each individual. 
individual student, and that's how God is. He gives you an IVP, an individualized vision plan. He already knows your purpose. He gives you he gives you an IPP, an individualized purpose plan. He already knows who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, and just because Jonathan gets there one way, don't mean Nate is going to get there the same way. You are unique. Stop comparing yourself to Stephon. Stop comparing yourself to Tessa. Stop comparing yourself to Maxwell. Stop comparing yourself to whoever you're comparing yourself to and be who God has made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care if you're fat, skinny, black, white, or whatever it is in between. God has a purpose for you if you walk it out. He says... See, when we understand that God has worked our life out to the minutest detail and understand that his plan for us is flawless, when we yield to the plan and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we move toward perfection and wholeness. When we try to build the plan for ourselves, that is the difference uh, that is different from God's perfect plan. We labor in vain. Our efforts are futile and get tied up in the ropes of our disobedience. Uh, uh, Jada says it this way. You get entangled. It ain't just got to be with a man or a woman. You can get entangled in your own purpose. You get entangled with your pride. You get entangled with your lying. You get entangled with your cheating. You get entangled in a whole bunch of things that has nothing to do with God. The good thing about your life is that just like Jesus knew exactly what the coat was tied up in the text. Ooh, he knows exactly where you tied up to. Oh, y'all don't hear me. He's telling his angels to go down to the liquor store. See, let me tell you this right quick. Now, now, now don't you go there. I'm coming back to that. And the liquor store people, don't, don't go yet. Sit down. I ain't finished. <laughs> Hold on. I got to make this point before I get to that. <laughs> Look at Oh, he ain't the angels there. <laughs> Hold on. Stop right there. <laughs> he said, go find the donkey. You'll find an ass, is, if you will. That's, I'm not cussing old school. That's, that's, that's what it is. An ass is a donkey. I'm just going by the King James. That's the version you like, right? Okay. He, he said, he said, <laughs> NIV, I would have had something else, you know. But, 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 but since I'm in the King James for, for Brother Jarvis, I'm going to put you in. Brother Jarvis told me to go to King James because he wanted to hear what it really was. So that's what it is. So, so, so he said, go find the ass and the coat. See, in one of the texts, it says, go find the coat. That was never written on. But in Matthew, it says, go find the coat and the ass. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. So, so what he's doing, hey, you are the coat or the ass. I don't know if you've been written a whole bunch of times or none at all. You'll get it when you go home. But God has a blessing in store for you. He said, go down and you'll find the coat. And he said, the ass first. You'll find an ass and a coat with her. Yeah, 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 y'all don't hear what I'm saying. So, so, so Jesus already knows where you were tied up at. Before the foundation of the world, he knew where you was going to be tied up. And he already provided provisions for you to get untied. This is the day God is going to set you free. So, so God, what is Jesus saying? Go down to the liquor store where Ray Ray at. And touch his tongue to take the taste buds of the liquor out of his mouth so he can put up. 
put down the E and J and take up his cross and follow me. Go down to Neiman Marcus. Oh, come on, somebody. And touch Sister Michelle's eyes to make sure she see all the wrinkles in her sugar daddy's face so she can put down the ill-gotten Fendi bag. Come on, somebody. Go down to the crack house and touch the man's mouth and take the pipe out of his hand so he can put out that pipe and take up his cross and follow me. Don't glorify your mess. But don't fear coming to Jesus as you are either. What I love about the text is that Jesus doesn't care who he uses. He doesn't care if you're the coat or the ass. He will still untie you and call you to serve him in his kingdom to bring glory. He don't care if you're a babe. He don't care how old you are. He don't care how young you are. He don't care how holy you are. He don't care how messed up you are. You know why I know why God doesn't care how messed up you are? It's because he was born in a manger, in the midst of filth, in a manger. A manger is not a bed. A manger is a food trough for pigs. He was born in a stinking manger. Come on, somebody. Nobody to witness it but sheep and oxen wrapped up in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes sounds good, but ain't nothing but milk rags. Born in filth. What he was trying to do was show you that he can put a holy thing in a messed up thing. That's why the Bible says you have wonderful call. I hid my treasure in earthen vessels. Do you know you're an earthen vessel? Even though you ain't nothing but a bag of dirt, God wants to use you. He said, go down and get the coat or the ass. I'm so glad I got an audience. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know if you're the coat or the ass, but God has need of you. Oh, hallelujah. You can look in the mirror and say, I may be an ass, but God has need of me. Now, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Look at this. Look at this. No matter how messed up you are, God has need of you. Put your hand on yourself. Talk to Satan. The problem with church folk, Brother Stefan, is that church folk wait on Jesus to get up to help them. But they don't realize in the text, not this text, but in Revelations, God commanded Jesus to sit down on his right hand. He commanded him to sit down because he knew Jesus would be tempted to stand up and help you. But he said, you would do greater exploits in my name. You got the power to deliver yourself Stop going to the hospital and say, Lord, if it's your will. You know it's his will to heal them. Lord, if it be your will, if you can heal them on this side or the next side, he want to heal them right here. The problem and the reason why people stay sick is because we don't speak in authority. We asking God, if it's your will, you already know his will. He would have of all things that you be prosperous and in good health. He already told you his will. Well, excuse me, God, but if you could just deliver just in case, stop talking to God and talk to Satan. And tell Satan, I don't know, whatever you're saying is name it to yourself. Don't say it too loud, but name it to yourself. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you to untie me because my father has need of me right now. See, see, he has need of you. See, see, you thought God was untying you for you. 
See, see, God says in Psalms that he blesses you for his namesake, not yours. He blesses you for himself, to bring glory to himself, not for you to get glory. So he's untying you because he has need for you. Yeah, y'all don't hear me. See, the problem is you thought God was blessing you to buy a new house or a new car, and maybe he did with the overflow of it, but, but God blesses you because he wants to make you a blessing. He wants to untie you so he can use you in his kingdom. So, so stop asking and wondering if God wants to heal you. He wants to give you an overflow and blessing, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He wants you to be blessed in the valley and blessed in the field, blessing your coming and blessing your going. He wants you to be blessed because he wants to make you a blessing. Oh, don't say that he's going to untie you. I, I was talking to 8 o'clock and I let them know old school always made me feel good when they had their closing. They say, Brother Stefan, they, they go by and say, the Lord will pick you up and turn you around and put your feet on solid ground. And I agree with the old school preacher on that. And then they'd end it like this. They say, won't he do it? Or won't he do it? Or won't he do it? Say yeah. And I get all excited because I knew he would do it. But I agree with the first part that he'll pick you up and turn you around and put your feet on solid ground. I 100% agree. But the second part after studying this text when he said won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I don't 100% agree. Now I agree that God will pick me up, turn me around, put my feet on solid ground but instead of saying won't he do it I say this he's already done it he's already done it he's already done it say yeah you already healed you already delivered you already set free you already free already delivered you already free you already healed your child is already free I'm gonna tell you right now I don't care how high prices are. You're blessed and highly favored by the Lord. Because what did he say? He didn't say I was just going to bless you. He said I'll give you a good measure blessing. Press down. Shake it together. And run it over. And he who began a good work in you shall finish it. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. If he started it, he'll finish it. Oh, it's a reason why you survived the coronavirus because this is a new beginning. This is the first Sunday of spring, and I believe there's a new beginning that's about to fall in your life. If you made it through the winter months of the coronavirus, God has a special blessing for you, a good measure blessing. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. Sunday, See, I'm starting to rebuke people. See, you better be careful about writing on my wall now. Now, you had to be careful anyway. 
But you got to be careful because when you start saying something contrary to what God has told me, I got to handle that instantly because I'm in a new season. And when you're in a new season, you're in the embryonic stages of a blessing. And when you're in the embryonic stages of blessing, you got to protect it. Because the first trimester of pregnancy is the most critical time. That's why some women, if you say, are you pregnant? They'll tell you they don't know. Or they'll just say no. Or they'll ignore you. Because they are afraid that the baby may not make it. And I'm going to tell you right now, God has a vision for New Beach Grove. I can't share it with you all the way. Because I don't want it to get aborted in the embryonic stages. Oh, y'all don't hear me right now. Whatever vision God has for you, you better keep it to yourself right now. Nehemiah didn't tell everybody in the beginning what his vision was. He went by himself. He went by himself. In fact, it said he even left his horse outside when he went all the way in the inner parts of the city. He didn't even take his animal with him. Stop sharing all your vision on Facebook. Stop sharing all your vision on social media. You wonder why people got all these ideas and that was yours because you put it out there. Keep it and protect it. I got this word for you right now. Uh, the, 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 remember when Elijah uh, told the lady who had a little bit of oil, he said, go get as many pots as you can. Come in with your sons and close the door. Don't let anybody in. Y'all don't hear me. Now, you might have to tell somebody, I don't know, but, but, but the thing about it, stop telling everybody your idea until your idea hits the fruition mark. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Protect it. This is a new beginning. This is a new season. And if you're connected with New Beach Grove, you're about to walk in your power. Oh, you're going to, because you're going to stop looking for me. God had you on punishment. He had you away from the church because you kept running to church folk all the time. Pastor won't talk to me. So what? Talk to yourself. Be in agreement with the Holy Spirit. I'm not God. I might give you a word. See, this is, this, this is, this is, this is what gives me. This is what gives me. People come to church and want to talk to me before they even heard the word. I'm, no, I'm definitely nowhere near important as a word. This ain't me talking. This God bringing you a word. You understand what I'm saying? Stop looking for me and your deacon and your pastor and your mother and your father. Now, he may send you to one of us, but seek him first and let him order your steps. That's why we're on a fast. We're on a fast because you need to learn how to beat your flesh into submission. Your spirit has all the power, but you're letting your flesh win. Word to the diabetics. I had a lot of message from diabetics when I sent the message out <laughs> telling y'all, put the chicken down. Look, do what your doctor say, but whatever you can sacrifice, do it. Because this is a season that when you can beat your flesh into submission, God will bless you immediately so when you say something to me that's contrary to what I hear that's why if you sensitive around me when I say what it is don't you speak against it because if you do your feelings gonna get hurt I'm not rebuking you but I'm rebuking the words that come out your mouth and some people don't understand it. well it ain't what I was saying well it sounded negative to me 
Whenever you tell me something's going to be difficult, whenever you tell me something's going to be hard, whenever you tell me something's going to take a long time, and, everything, I, and, I, and I say God going to do it suddenly, you're speaking against what I say. I don't care what in your mind tells you that it makes sense to you. It don't make sense to me. Why? Because I don't lean on my own understanding. Stop letting people speak against what God has ordained in your life. The same way he said, go get the coat or the ass. Go get both of them. It doesn't matter if you're old, if you're young, if you're righteous or if you're unholy. God has need of you right now. And this day, March 21st, Marks the day of you haven't been delivered. You're going to walk in your freedom right now. Shun the devil.